Welcome to the Dilettante Nomad. I'm your host, BC. Today on the program, we got Robert Wallace from New Precept Media. We talk on some issues of global warming, flat earth theories, religion, spirituality, mysticism, and some other crazy shit. And we'll listen to some solid tunes all the way through. Check it. And we have to go with Sodomy and Gomorrah. Well, or it's... Sodomy and Gonorrhea works. Please not... Not in Sodomy. No, please not in Sodomy. I just got back from Alaska. How was it? Um, Melted polar caps and how was it? Were you skiing or surfing? You know, uh, well, in the end, surfing would have been most appropriate. Yeah. We got up there and the weather was spectacular. Okay, like temperature-wise, what were we looking at? It was like, it felt like it was in the uh, mid-60s, uh, low-70s. Nice. I actually had to go and get sandals, a t-shirt, and I didn't have shorts, but it was that warm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Global warming at its finest. Global warming at its finest. And uh, Did you see any polar bears? I didn't see any polar bears. Oh. I don't know that there... There's any left? Yeah. Yeah. I was in Anchorage in Denali. Okay. So the that's car. a national park. Took a car. Yeah. The Denali. Well... Yeah, that would be nice like if you drove a Denali into Denali. That would have been fly. Yeah. yeah. But you took the you didn't take the Huskies. No. No. You didn't wagon it. Didn't wagon it. Okay. Went ahead and got ourselves an Impala. Cruising down the street in my six foot. Rolling in my six foot. Oh, okay. The six foot. Uh huh. Yeah, nineteen sixty four Impala. No, it was a no. twenty sixteen. It was twenty sixteen. It was, it was, it was nice. a one six Impala. A one six Impala. Yeah. I don't know anything about this. This is 2016. One oh, okay. Six, yeah, yeah. yeah. Def, most deaf. Yeah. 1-6 Impala. Our if we will. Our doves, I, I figured our doves would be rolling on doves in the 1-6 Impala. But uh, I guess, I guess it was we didn't low. get that metal. I was impressed. I yeah. didn't know that they were that Heated low. seats? Absolutely. Yeah, but you didn't need we them didn't because need them of global all. warming. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't get that far. Yeah. That's a shame. You know, global warming has, uh, has really crushed uh, Alaska. Global warming is, uh, I, I don't know, I think it's a bit of a conspiracy. I'll, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. I've got a couple reservations about this global warming thing. First off, I think it's a bit of a distraction. I think we're throwing... But for the record, you are a flat earther. But continue, we'll get into that. Yeah, it eventually leads into that. I think everything, anything really is going to lead into flat earth if you really discuss it long enough. Yeah, it's, it's just like uh, Aladdin's magic carpet. It's just like a little sheet we live on that's kind of... Like you can fan it out. Not too far. Yeah, uh, right down the Silk Road. It's, it's more circular though. Oh, okay. This, yeah, rectangular. Oh, okay. Right. So it's, it's like a plate. I like a dinner you. plate. Like a dinner, so it has a little like concaveness to yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, huh. So there's complexities that are involved. Yeah, there's some convolutions. Yeah. And the, uh, the so tension. there's no longitudes or latitudes, or there are. Well, there well there are. And, and, there, and there's no axes. I'm guessing. Right. Well, the thing about the axis is we really like use that to determine uh, things like where we're speeding, you know, the spinning and all this. Because we are rotating. But we're not. We could agree on that. I, we can't, actually. And that's well, it. I'm we glad can agree, bring, I'm we glad can agree that, that the Earth is round. I'm glad you bring that up. We can agree it's round, but not that it's a sphere. I'm not a globularist. You're not a globularist. No. Is that such a word? 
It is. is. Is that what the flat Earth is called? You know, a globular. Yeah, that uh, sounds English. like you're globbling on a lot of nonsense. English is a living language. Living language. Bootylicious maybe dictionary or something. Ling. Yeah. And globularist is something like that. Well, I don't think you were ready for all that jelly. I wasn't ready for all that jelly. It took me by surprise. Yeah. Actually. Well, uh, going back to uh, Alaska's global warming. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty warm. It's summertime up there also, and uh, which is good. I did not care to go into the cold. I wanted to see Alaska, maybe some Alaskan bush people, uh, some okay. Sarah Palin, Trig, her uh, special son, uh, also uh, Russia. Yeah, I would like to see Alaskan igloo people. Yeah. But they're, they're homes melted. Most definitely would not have survived those conditions. Yeah. I was shocked, and I was... I was happy about it though. Did you actually, uh, did you look out with Sarah Palin and see Alaska? I was, you know, Alaska is her backyard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everywhere I looked. Well, I thought, I thought Russia was her backyard. Well, she could see Alaska Russia her from front her yard. backyard. Yeah, yeah. She can see it. When I think she, that's when she, how she puts it. Yeah, when she goes out for coffee in the morning on her, on her deck. Right. Yeah. You know, just, people mocked her. And a lot of people give her a hard time. Yeah, you know? but Neil gives her a hard time. Neil, uh, why would he give her such a hard time? She's clearly an idiot. Well, that's she doesn't what, know any better. But you know, here's the thing: you got to understand about the Alaskan people. And I have a They're soft simple spot. folk. They're very simple folk, and I have a soft spot in my heart for them. I come from Michigan. Okay, now here's what you got to know about the They're North in general. Cold. They're both cold. Yeah. The North in general represents survival yeah. because of the cold conditions. You both next border Canada. Correct. Yep, we yeah. have that in common, mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and there's that small town mentality, yeah. but Alaska's really got the whole don't you know? Well, they kind of got some of that going on, and they have uh, they're very uh, kind. They're very polite people. Okay. And you don't find that in many places. I really I didn't have a single experience where I felt somebody was less than genuinely happy to see me. It was like I was always waiting for someone to screw up my perception, and everybody was just so kind. Now they have extremely high suicide rates, though. But they were actually is that true? High, well, well, in the certain areas I where it's like that. dark for twenty-four hours a day for like half the year, right. I, and I don't know their actual whole dynamic. Yeah. But I heard like the depression rate because of seasonal depression I, just becomes so unbearable. I believe that. It. You know, people just like, you know what, I'm just going to off myself because it already feels like I'm dead. Yeah. You know, so I know, I, I don't know because I never actually looked at the statistics, uh -huh. but I heard a guy in a bar once tell me that. Yeah I, yeah. I believe it. Yeah. Clouds do add to depression. Yeah. There's a lot of depression up in Seattle, that whole area. Yeah. And that's another high suicide rate place mm -hmm. and probably because of uh, the rain. Yeah. The rain. Uh, and, and I no like the rain. Not so much in Houston. Because we've been flooded for like the last month. Yeah. Yeah, which is terrible. And we're going to get more flooding like this week, which like, is pretty exciting. What does Houston and New Orleans have in common? They flood? No, I mean in terms of morals. Uh, okay. That Why would God do this to Houston also? Well, you know what? Just I, like, don't, I don't know Houston well enough to speak for his Houstonians. I, I am not the one that would uh, be able to answer that question. But from what I understand is there's a lot of grills 
and a lot of rodeo love. Those are like the two things I've realized, and Space City. I mean, maybe because we're exploring the the. Well, let's touch on that. I think it's appropriate for us to talk. Yeah, since we're in Space City and all, and you're a flat earther. Yeah, I not, mean, I think I think we make maybe make a trip down to NASA. I would love to debunk the whole thing with just a couple statements, if it were possible. And if we get some NASA scientists here to like really debate with you, that would be a waste of their time, my time and their time. And I'll tell you why, because because I'm right, they're wrong, and the story done. Well, you said it, not me. I mean, they're brainwashed. They don't know it, but they're uh, all they're doing is perpetuating the storyline that they've been fed as uh, students in their grade school era, in their college uh, job on the job training. They only know what they're being told. See, and I agree with that statement, just not about the flat earth situation. Only because... I don't think scientist after scientist is going to make this up one after the other. I don't think that we could send satellites up and take pictures and everybody's behind the scheme. Like we, they've been they've been planning this for like generations. You damn Masons are like, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna trick everybody to think that the earth is round or a sphere. I don't think that's been the whole hoax from day one because what does that prove? What does that do for anybody really? It doesn't make us believe anything more than anything else. I think you're, def- I think you're going off on a tangent because instead of asking what is the truth? You're asking what is their motivation for lying? And I'm yes. not saying they're consciously most I want to of know these the motivation people for lying. I don't think most of these people are consciously lying, but I think the people above them who have been feeding them this information that they are swallowing hook line and sinker, those people do have a motivation and there is an occult reason for deceiving people into believing they're and, living on a spinning ball and I understand space. The, you only know what's brainwashed into you or taught to you as a child and what generation after generation right. I believe all common that common sense goes against everything that they tell you us you look at just this country in general during the, the civil rights movements and everything like that it, it took generations to realize that those people were crazy mm. and there are still them lingering around yeah. you know to this day that still feel that way or you know oh, women's right you know a woman's room is in the kitchen or like black men should not share a bathroom with me or whatever or school you know there are those still those people stuck in those ways but that's because they were bred that way too you know and that's generational and they refuse to open their eyes to actual reality now I do think the same could be said for science or religion or politics oh this works this way you know like this our, our structure right now works because it worked back then and it can still work today. Instead of looking at it and evolving and, and moving forward with the way society has worked and we've utilized all of our resources towards this, let's move on and get into you know, a more advanced way of exploring the world. And I, I think that and I think you and I both have agreed that there are many ways to expand our minds and, and really uh, see the world in a much clearer and there Light, is. But Here's the problem with everything you just stated, okay? And there were so many things. Debunk me. I wanted to debunk everything you just said. Everything that you said, you weren't even ask, actually trying to make a point off of. I wasn't. I but was it, just generalizing. You were generalizing, but you were pointing to things that are all kind of, we were full of misinformation. Well, let me subjects. just wrap up my, my idea then. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is I do believe that things are taught generationally. However, I don't think that everybody was in on this whole flat earth situation. I, I 
think it's a ridiculous idea. Well, I wouldn't say that, everybody's though. in on it either, but what do you mean by everybody and what do you mean on in on it? I think there are um, most of the people, I think, are innocently deceived and they are recapitulating this to the public as outside, professionals. As outside pre-15th century, the flat earthers are a very small population. Could we agree on that? Well, I would rephrase that and say up into the last 300 years, which is, what, 1%, less than a tiny teeny percent of Earth's history, uh, have we even believed that the Earth was a globe. Up until, aside of this one slight percentage, we've always known or believed it was flat. the Sumerian tablets and the photos depicting that this is 3,000 years ago of planets and circular shapes up in the atmosphere. You said, or up, well, up. listen to what you said. You said circular, not spherical. Okay, regardless, of, so what does that have to do with flat earth? If flat earth, it can't be flat if it's well, a, a circle. Well, a circle can be flat. If you cut it open and roll it out. Well, a circle can be flat, and a sphere is a three-dimensional object. So where do I fall off the planet? What area of the world do I fall off if it's flat? Well. If you were to transgress, if you were to go over past Antarctica through maybe a couple miles inland Antarctica, then you're going to start to hit some of the rocky terrain that is on the outskirts of the Earth. Do you think it's more like the Truman Show then? We Absolutely. can only go so far. It's more like the Truman Show than maybe we can imagine on multiple levels. See, the stars represent spirits. These are uh, living conscious entities. And we're not even talking interdimensionally yet. There are a lot of beings, according to all religions, that watch us and are watching our, this drama. There are beings in this room that are living and existing concurrent with our reality that are observing the things that we're doing. We are being watched as a almost reality show. We are oblivious to those who are watching us because we can't see them. We think they don't exist because of what we've been taught, the misinformation that we've been given. The information that we've been handed down has been modified through different uh, kings and, and... Now, I know you're a religious man as well, but can't you say that with a lot of religious texts as well? Well, I would... Uh, let's handle it case by case. I mean, you can't generalize all religion, but what I will say about organized religion versus spirituality, and specifically the spiritual, yes, yeah. the spiritual documents, these religions and... Christianity, for instance, there are 300,000, there are many, many religions based on this one book, the Bible. Mm -hmm. Are all of these religions correct? Well, that can't be because they contradict each other. But here's the thing, that Bible, that those scriptures, those are a sound place to start. What people do with them, the hypocrisy. Because it is isolated, dogmas. too. It's isolated to certain pockets who abuse it and who don't. Yeah, interpret, people are interpreting the scripture differently. Mm -hmm. If you take the scripture and you go your way and you find yourself and you find God within uh, with the scripture and another man does, uh, that's fantastic. That's the point of it. What's happening, though, is people are codifying these scriptures for others who either can't read it, can't understand it, or won't take the time to read it and understand it. And as a result, corruption is coming in through those interpretations. All right, and, but then we're going to get into the whole idea of different perspectives and, you know, one person interpreting in this way, this person interpreting this way. Well, I way think and, what's important and, to remember is that we have to study for ourselves. And, and, I, and that's what I was going to get at as well, because one person's perspective versus another person's perspective 
I don't think you can weigh them out and say, well, I think this guy's right. It is important to actually learn every side of it, every aspect of it, and make your own interpretation of what truth is or what you're going to conceive as truth. Because truth is only, like you said, generationally, is only what you're taught and what you know and what you accept as truth. Because if I could convince you your whole life that that black pen on my desk has been blue, and then when you're like 20 years old, you go to buy a car and you're like, I want... Because you're true blue. I want a blue car. And then they come out with a black car and you're like, what the hell? This isn't blue. But it is. But it's because we universally have accepted that that is. But if you're taught your whole entire life that that color is something different, your mind's going to be blown. I mean, we can change the definition of words. I don't think that changes what we understand about the truth. I mean, we would have to re position ourselves according to that new vocabulary, according to that different paradigm. But we would still find our way back to the truth. Um, you can't convince me that up is down and down is up. You might convince me that up is called down and down is called up, but See? I will know the truth. Yeah, the, the direction, or at least the action of And it's a perception that we, it's a vision or an image that we, that we decipher through language, through, a bunch, of, through a bunch of noises that we decide means something and we associate it with it. Right. Well, we could call red blue, and I'm still going to see what we know is red. Yeah. I'm just going to call it blue. Yeah. I might call it rojo. Yeah. You know, so we whatever. all have our own definitions and perspectives and interpretations of so what... So that's a moot point. Uh, it's uh, semantics. It's pedantic. It doesn't really change. But isn't life all semantics? Well, it, to some degree, I guess. I think it's only relative because in order to communicate objectively, we have to share a common reality. Universal. It has to be universal. Right. So we have to be able to communicate about the same thing and know we're on the same page. Yeah. And that's the use of getting and sharing definitions and, and believing in similar definitions. We both agree this is a table. And so we can both talk about a table in an objective way that we both can understand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that doesn't change anything about it if I want to call it a chair and if I want to... Because it could be used as a chair if I decide to sit on it. You know, And if somebody sure. comes to my house and I have like six tables around and they're like, where's your chairs? I'm like, just hop right up on here. This is like a couch. See, but this, this sort of line of uh, thought here, it's, it's circular. Yeah. It's moot in the end. It's fruitless. Don't call it moot. It is moot. Because what we're really doing is, the, the real issue is not is not what we're calling things, it's what things are. Let's use where we already agree to get to a different place, instead of discuss how things could be messed up if we wanted to be And evil. that is a fantastic point. Let's go to a different place. I want to know about your uh, failed trip to Antarctica, when you're rescheduling it, and what happened. Well, uh, this February, uh, Myself and a few other people uh, took a trip to uh, go to Antarctica. Uh, the first stop was in Punta Arenas, which is the southern tip of Chile and the most southern city in the entire world. Wow. Most southern city, not southern town, but city. Okay. What's the most southern town? Uh, there's a... Uh, 
So there's no cities in Antarctica? No. There's, there's nothing not. there. It's just there's, like ice and like well, there's, land. There's little kind of makeshift village slash towns yeah. of scientists, communities of people who live there maybe up to six months out of the year. Really? And extreme, some people will stay a couple seasons. Nobody's born there and stuff, right? There's no some, like, some people have been born there. Is, there's hospitals and things like that? There are those things, yeah. Because people go there for scientific studies. Yeah, so they'll stay there a Two scientists at a time. fall in love, they yeah. have a baby. Yeah, okay. who knows? Nine months later, boom, they need a doctor. Boom. So there's a doctor that lives so there. So there's doctors. So they have those sorts of things. Now, do you think they actually all live there, or do you think they rotate, like on a schedule? Oh, they rotate. Yeah. Airplanes only come in about once, sometimes in different areas, once every six months. That's wild. So if you don't get, if you miss that plane, you're going to be stuck. Like what there. happened in Chile? Well, what happened in Chile was we were not able to fly our plane over to Antarctica from that city. Instead of taking the boat uh, through that tumultuous uh, uh, part of the ocean between Chile and Antarctica, we decided to fly over it. And because of the ceiling of the clouds and the visibility, uh, they weren't able to uh, they weren't able to sign us off for a good landing. So they wouldn't let us take off. They actually uh, let one group take off. They went out a half hour and they made them turn back. Ooh, they got us on a that plane. That probably hurts even more. Yeah, they got us on a plane right behind them, and Sad then they had that. us deboard and tell us they're sending the people back. So anyway, uh, we ended up staying in Chile the whole time. And Which isn't that bad. It was pretty bad. It's really? not... Well, it wasn't that bad. You're on the coast, no? Well, we went to... We decided to move up to uh, Torre del Pine, which is a national park. Okay. And they had this really distinctive, like, three-column mountainous sort of road thing coming up. And, uh, and it was pretty, but not being a hiker, not uh, a lot for me. It was really... I tried to walk. I got tired of it. It's just boring. Do they have any retreats there, like ayahuascas or anything of that sort? Well, you know, the ayahuascan, ayahuascarians and things like that tend to be in the Amazonian rainforest. You're going to find them in places like Peru and Bolivia. You're going to find them throughout Central America. Uh, I, I know that there is a ancient alien, interdimensional uh, sort of culture in the Ch Chilean uh, backdrop, and they have very distinctive uh, cave drawings and things like that depicting the sorts of aliens. And they're very interesting, but as to what they're using psychedelically, uh, I don't have that any knowledge. Back. Yeah, uh, that, uh, I would assume you peyote. Privy to that information, some peyote. Peyote, probably, if any. That's still pretty solid. Mystical. Uh, now, real quick, I just want to touch base. What is the southernmost town? Do you know? I, I don't know. Oh, okay. but there is one that's further south than this city. Yes, and I think it's one that we're going to and it's escaping me and it is... Uh, I've heard it said a bunch of times but I've never said it so I don't have it stored in my head. But anyway. Okay. Isn't it funny how that happens? You know it, you came across it but because you haven't said it out loud. Yeah. You know, I've been practicing this guy's name and I, I, still, I still can't say it but it's like Kigolosari Kigolosipi or something like that. Mm. Um, and it, it, I butchered it completely because I'm going off of, I know it starts with a K, his first name starts with a K, his last name, there's some G's in there. I know an E-O is somewhere and some S's. Uh, he was a, a guy that was part of... Uh, the gentleman's name that I'm trying to say is Kirapitsi. 
Chica's Sitat style. I think. I don't know. He was a South African poet. Um, very political, forward-moving, progressive, strong with his views. The Last Poets, the spoken word hip-hop group, got their name from him, also known as Bra Willie. He is the father of hip-hop artist Earl Sweatshirt. Earl, what up, nigga? When the revolution comes, transit cops will be crushed by the trains after losing their guns, and blood will run through the streets of Harlem, drowning anything without substance. When the revolution comes, when the revolution comes, when the revolution comes, when the revolution comes, I hope pearly white teeth fall out of the mouths that speak of revolution without reference. The course of revolution is 360 degrees. Understand the cycle that never ends. Understand the beginning to be the end And nothing is in between but space and time That I make or you make to relate Or not to relate to the world outside My mind, your mind Speak not of revolution Until you are willing to eat rats to survive When the revolution comes um, no, He was part of uh, And again, I might get this wrong But I want to say he had He was a South African poet That uh, called himself the last poet because he felt like he was going to be the last real poet before words got overtaken by guns. Mm. Well, interesting cat. Um, I, and again, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name because I never really had an opportunity. I just researched him, and uh-huh. yeah, it's this is the first time it's ever come up in a conversation, mm-hmm. and it just made me think of it about you saying yeah. that I don't know how to say this or remember how to say it. Frank Schiffen will give away the Apollo to the first person he sees wearing a blue dashiki when the revolution comes. When the revolution comes, Afros gonna be trying to straighten their heads, and straighten heads gonna be trying to wear Afros when the revolution comes. Particularly, now to finish what we were talking about before, uh, we're going back in January. Yeah. They ended up uh, not being able to land their plane there after a couple days. They canceled it, the trip, for everybody with no refund. And then. through credit cards and disputes and all sorts of different things, uh, we managed to recover our money. All of it? Yes. Beautiful. And then Because so, I know there was some debate when you first told me about yeah, that. Yeah, there was little hope at first, but it turns out a credit card that we had put this stuff on had, we didn't know, a travel insurance on it, and then some other actions we were taking panned out. So, yeah. and, then, uh, and then they offered us a discounted thing to come back, which is, they offered that before we went through all this pains to get this money back. But it still stands, and we're scheduled to go back in January. Nice. So January 2017. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what do you have coming up? I know, like we just said, you just got back from Alaska. What do you got coming up? Uh, at the end of August, we'll be in South Africa and uh, Zambia. Nice. So we'll be staying in Cougar National Park in South Africa. I'll be doing a bungee jump off Victoria Falls in Zambia. Wow. Yeah. Zambia is a little more north now, like right and yes. northwestish. It's uh, it's north of South Africa. As yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, just a lucky guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but isn't it up more towards uh, mid Africa, or like a little north it's of just, that? It's just south of half of half. So, of just Africa. south of half. And the borders, right? The I think ocean? it might be like a country between South Africa and Zambia. It's it, connected to Botswana, I believe. See, now I, I could be totally like wrong. The, I thought the southern border uh, touched the ocean, and I, I could be wrong as well. 
The southern border of Zambia? Yeah, does it not? No, it doesn't. It's an no. inland country. It is inland. Totally inland. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm thinking of a different Z. There's a, there's a lot of countries in Africa. Zanzibar? That's a uh, that's coastal. It, that's, well, that's in Tanzania. Yeah, and that's an island off the coast. I'm well aware of that one. Uh, okay. Because that might be end game. Because it's either there. It's either Zanzibar or uh, I want to say like Mauritius. Mauritius, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a hot spot. Um, Seychelles. Seychelles, yeah. yeah. Someone, I, I, I'm particularly fond of Seychelles because uh, they do not have mosquitoes. Oh. And I like the sound of that. Yeah. Especially is, being in a, some mosquito-ridden cities, uh -huh. like Houston for one. Uh, Corpus Christi was uh, So what do they have? I mean, uh, what else kind? do you need? I mean, what do they have? Do they have like... English and French are their native languages. Uh -huh. uh, no mosquitoes. You're an island. They don't have any other bugs, so you, though. That are, you got, oh, I'm sure there is. Okay. I'm sure there's some shit that's going to take you out. I mean, something preferable. But I don't like swatting my body and spraying myself every time I go outside. Especially, like, out here in Houston. I go so, to, like, barbecue. I got to spray myself down because I know I'm going to get attacked by the mosquitoes. Uh, Blaze, you know I'm a pretty interdimensional kind of guy. I do know that. So when we're talking about any number of things, I've got a totally different perspective. I'm trying to keep it secular here, yeah. but I've got to I've got to digress. Mosquitoes, you know, one man gets bitten, another man doesn't get bitten. Yeah. They say it's. I got rich blood. Yeah, exactly. It's the That's wine in my blood. Or they say it's the uh, odor or whatever that that comes off your skin that attracts. I you. eat a lot of garlic. Well, here's, let's broaden this up. And I'm a big picture person, okay? Yeah, let's do it. And so discussing kind of geography and things like that, not really my strong suit. Okay. Uh, big picture analysis of the underlying factors that create this reality, that's more of a strong point. That's a stronger point. Yeah. So when, let's, we're discussing uh, mosquitoes, okay? Why does one man get bitten and another man doesn't? Why does one man... Uh, walk down the street fluidically, and why does another man stumble on a rock and fall over? Okay, why does one man get attacked by a bear, or one man get hit by a car, or one man win the lottery? Are why we, do things Are we going to get into the secret and mysticism right now? We're pumping it so far up, it's going to encapsulate all of the above. Okay, so what you're trying to get into, you're going to start diving into metaphysics. I think it has to go there. You think that's the direction this is all going? I think it's the healthiest direction if we are to be intellectually honest with ourselves and our audience. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to just stir our stick in the mud, I mean, this is kind of... No, I think they're ready. I think I'm I think ready. I think you're ready. I'm on fire you, for You've been ready. Let's do it. All right, Rudolf Steiner. Okay, well, you just lit <laughs> off a... You just lit off a bomb right here in the room. You just said Rudolf Steiner. Tell people about who he is, what he does, how many hours that you let him brainwash you, and we'll go from there. All right. So I stumbled upon Rudolf Steiner after a uh, renewed commitment toward the seeking of the kingdom of heaven. It's a theme in the Bible that we're told, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. The land of not. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. Well, normally we uh, overlook this because it just, to us, to the common man, to the lay person, it means do the right thing and you'll go to heaven. But there's really, there's really a very deep reward and command and reward in, in that verse that many people are oblivious to because of the misinformation in the church. And that is, what is the kingdom of God? 
most people think it's a mystical fairyland that your spirit soul goes flitting off into. Kind of like Disney World or something. They think like Mickey Mouse is there and like all your favorite apostles and yeah, like you're gonna see like Muhammad chilling, Buddha's like what up? Well, like Buddha's on the craps table. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves because uh, these things do exist in these realms that we call Nirvana and the Kingdom of Heaven. Mm-hmm. This is where they do reside. The thing is, though, the Kingdom of Heaven is a literal, experiential, objectively uh, experienced dimension of consciousness that can be entered into. It's another world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a series of worlds, uh, realms, which once uh, inhabited, it'll bring a person closer to God and the spirit beings that inhabit those realms. That's very interesting. I'm going to have to take this to hang out here until uh, figure out I don't want to get too dense with the speech because I yeah. know it's a very um, yeah, and you're gonna lose a lot of people. You instantly. Yeah, they're gonna be like, listen to this lunatic, this yes. mystic lunatic yeah. that doesn't know anything what he's talking about. He sounds like he's just blabbering a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. So yeah. we don't want to do that. That's why we're trying we to keep it a little that. light. We're throwing just a couple sticks in the mud. We like to stir up mud pies, and. Okay, well, let, let me let me uh, reverse engineer this a little bit. Uh, I do want to just ask you real quick. Um, your your partner, he's from India. India. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is his stance or viewpoint of the world? Do you guys share similar views on this? Uh, to a, we, to a great degree, yes. Okay, I, we don't have to get too deep into it, but I just was curious if that you guys shared the same beliefs. Uh, yeah, he is to Hinduism what most Catholics are to Catholicism, in that he inherited a religion, he subscribes because his parents subscribed, uh, he knows only what he's heard growing up. But he dabbles. He dabbles, but doesn't have a very serious, uh, He's not very committed right. to the, to the... A cult. You say, do you believe he'll raise his hand? Does if you say, what does that mean to believe? He'll give you a, a few nice quotes, but that's beyond. That's about where it ends. Okay. Because this theology isn't really strong. Now, is, I'm imagining then having you around as well. He's, one must be open-minded to the idea that other people have other strong beliefs mm-hmm. as well. So this, that doesn't cause any conflict at all. I'm assuming. Uh, no, he enjoys bantering back and forth. He enjoys, uh, you know playing devil's advocate, uh, testing my logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are uh, beautiful times when we're just absolutely on the same page and uh, we're both preaching to the choir back and forth. Uh. And so we got that kind of synergy going on. 
You see, that's pretty cool. And that's interesting too, to have two different perspectives completely and find that middle ground. And it's very fortunate. Yeah. 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 Because not a lot of people do that. Not a lot but of people do I, that. I, I do feel like, you know, and I think over the course, really of a long time, but for my life, I saw a big turn during like, uh, 9-11 when that happened and the whole Muslim thing and everybody was like oh my god these goddamn Muslims they're coming into our country and you see it again you know with with Trump saying that he wants to ban Muslims coming we're not going to even get into the semantics of how ridiculous that is but the whole idea that people are so just like blind to like you sound dumb like you sound legitimately dumb by like blanketing an entire organization or an entire entity and saying this is wrong or this uh, like and then they, it's one of these no nah, i'm not even gonna listen like they turn their head mm-hmm. on the playground or they take their you know whatever plug their ears and just fucking zone you out until you just like fuck it like i'm walking away mm-hmm. by the time they could pl- unplug their ears everybody walked away from them and they're the only asshole sitting in the middle of the playground nobody wants to play with them mm-hmm. yeah so me and all the muslims are like chilling on the monkey bars hanging out mm-hmm. drinking kool-aid mm-hmm. yeah yeah, there's definitely been a massive campaign. The Kool-Aid that, reference was a Colts reference. Right, of yeah. Waco. Yeah. Well, uh, there's many. Well, what was that so dude in... Uh, David Koresh? Yeah, I know David Koresh. So I've they, actually been to uh, Mount uh, Mount Carmel. Oh, yeah. I went to his compound uh, some odd years ago. They rebuilt it, or they're trying to rebuild. The church is back up. I, heard I met a gentleman there. His name was Simeon. Kind of looked like Obama a little bit, which was kind of weird. Um, I went with the guy that I was working with. It was right before I was moving from Waco because I lived there for a little bit. And I was like, before I leave, I got to go to the compound. Right. It's a must. Yeah. So we made the trek over there. The guy that I was with, he doesn't work for the organization anymore. Um, he was scared shitless. And I was like, dude, just relax. We're going to go in. It's gated off. Um, but they had the gate open. And I remember I pulled up and there was a car from like Arizona sitting like outside the compound and then like took off right when they saw me, thinking maybe I was probably one of them, mm. one of the Davidians. <laughs> so I rolled in and then we like, there's a monument right in the front that kind of commemorates all the people that lost their lives there, women, children, men, and it says all their name and it does have the ATF agents too that lost their names too. It's a, a, an, an ode to everybody. And, and it's a nice little monument, but just beyond the monument. That's better. Here we, here we go. This enchanted face printed on a zero dollar bill. Got a little plot of land where authority isn't recognized. Contraband keeping the core beside check a lot. Never mind a misanthrope buying for affection to the wretched sound of mysticism. Dying it is something he must handle on his own. The wind blown away when a wind don't play. Today I pulled three green frogs. You can stroll down to the church and their little compound that's going on behind it. They're building little barracks back there. Um, so I was like, let's go to the church, you know, let's see what this is all about. So we make the trek up to the beginning of the church, the front of the church. We get out of the car, okay, we didn't walk, we drove so that if we had to take like a quick exit, we needed to make sure we could run to the car and get out. Because who knows what we're going to walk into there and they're going to be like, get off our property, you know, you damn Taurus. So we walk up, church is locked, because I try to open the doors right away, of course. And then we're kind of like walking around the building. All of a sudden we see this guy. Like I said, he looks like Obama. Big rubber, um, like uh, fire, uh, waterproof boots. Big rubber waterproof boots, like up past his knee. 
walking towards us, like the Terminator dude. Remember the ah. like the cop from Terminator that's like chasing. Yeah. He was like walking towards us like this. The guy I was with bugging out. He's like, dude, let's go, let's go, let's go. I was like, no, no, he's all right. I waved to him, and the guy he, like like almost like a hail Hitler like wave throws his arm up. I'm like, Jesus, um, he, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, he walks over to us and we start BSing with him and I tell him that, you know, I'm just interested in the church and, uh, you know, with, especially with everything that he was originally from, uh, I want to say Trinidad. Okay. And he told me he moved to Waco um, because the longitude and latitude of it had similar uh, numerical values equivalent to Jerusalem okay. and Bethlehem. Which Bethlehem is not even a real city, is my understanding as well. I don't know, but he said something about Jerusalem, and he said this is the motherland, and David Koresh and Vernon, whatever his real name was, Vernon, whatever his name is, David Koresh was the name he took up as the Messiah, um, but he was the God and all this stuff. So anyway, we were I was bantering with him back and forth, and you know, trying to just get some information. And I asked him if there was any way possible if I can see the church. I was interested in it, and I told him I lived in Waco, and you know that I don't go to any church services at all. And he was telling me about their Saturday night worship, and they got a little band and stuff, and you know they have a good time and blah blah blah. So he opens the door. The key is hidden behind the mailbox. If anybody ever wants to know, that's where it was hidden. Uh, the, the mailbox is right on the right hand, right, right on the the wall, right next to the door, and right behind it. He picked it up, looked at me, and said, "I didn't see that." I said. I didn't see it. Uh, so now I'm telling everybody where the key is. So if you ever go to the compound and you want to get in, that's how you do it. So we went in. He gave us a tour through the church. And he had the, the seven seals because they were, you know, the seven-day Adventists. And they named each of the seven of the founding members of this church that they are all the, uh, the, the prophets. And then David Koresh is the God. He was the, you know, the, the and they have little biographies on all of them and who they were. And like the main person next to Koresh was actually a woman that recruited David Koresh. And then he kind of took over the whole uh, organization because he was, he was taken in by this woman who kind of overlooked her own son for him. And there was like some beef that I think Koresh shot him at one point. They got into some fight and David Koresh and this lady's son, he like shot him or something. Anyway, that's not even the... So, David Koresh, a.k.a. or formerly known as Vernon Wayne Howell, he's a failed musician, moved out from Houston to L.A. and then into settled in Waco. The president of the Davidians at the time, or the Seven-Day Adventists, uh, this chapter was Lois Roden. And her son, George Roden, was like Vernon's or David Koresh's like arch enemy. Well... Vernon shot him in 1988 and then kicked him out of the church. And Lois, she was fascinated with David, or Vernon Howell, and put him in charge. George Roden, he got shot. He eventually ended up killing a man uh, like the next year and uh, served his time in a mental hospital where he eventually died in 1998. So what's going on? There was an eeriness, obviously, to those grounds. You know, based upon everything that went down over there, uh, but it, it was a wild experience just being there, knowing the history. Actually, it made me go home and start watching documentaries on it. 
Uh, I got really intrigued about like it, it was almost to the point where my wife was worried because I was like kind of like I want to go to the church like I wanted to go just to really sit in a service not because I wanted to do anything but she was kind of like you're freaking me out because I'm watching some of the documentaries too I was also watching like the devil's advocate side I was watching like the ATF story and then the David Crush story and I was already to the belief that the ATF they killed everybody and it wasn't, it had nothing, David Koresh was really an innocent person in that. Like, is he innocent overall? I don't know. I don't know enough about him, really, like, personally, except for what they, history is only written by the winners, right? Mm-hmm. So they can paint whatever picture they want at the end of the day because nobody's alive to tell you any of the stories anymore. Right. You know, so it, it's kind of really hard to paint a picture, but all I do know, all I could make up from it, from all the video footage and a lot of, uh, a lot of the text that was in uh, surrounded it and voice recordings, conversations, phone calls that they had back and forth, intel on the whole project, is that the ATF basically, during their standoff, got fed up with the idea that they weren't making progress and decided to take it upon themselves to do what they did. Mm. Um, Wild situation. Church is back up. If anybody's ever in Waco, Texas, skip the Dr. Pepper Museum. Go straight to Mount Carmel. It's out on some dirt road down the out in the boonies, but it's well worth it. It's uh, it's an interesting compound. I, I highly recommend mm-hmm. just to just to go. And I, I wish I did make it to a service because that would have been a better story. I would have been dancing with them all and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> drinking the juice. Yeah, I right. like the the fabled Kool Aid. Yeah. I would have loved to, you know, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, I used to be a Seventh-day Adventist. Oh, okay. I used to be a Scientologist. Yeah, I, I know I you have, did tell me about that. You I lived have, in Clearwater, uh, right? Well, I, I lived here in Dallas when I was working for the Science, Scientology Org. They wanted me to move to Clearwater uh, for my auditing training. And because I wouldn't, because it was interfering with my Seventh-day uh, beliefs, uh, that became the crux of a, another issue why I ended up having split. So you're very impressionable. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm impressionable. I am, uh, I'm an investigatorial person. I like to research things. I like to hear both sides of the story. Am I impressionable in terms of I keep myself open to new ideas and correcting my beliefs? So, yeah, if somebody wants to present new ideas. Now... What I want to say about my background, I, I grew up Catholic, I was, a, I was part of the Baptist Church, I spent time in the Methodist Church, and Pentecostal Church, uh, I got saved numerous times because I never thought that I said the sinner's prayer quite right enough, I was baptized multiple times because I never thought the baptism took, because what I was reading in the scriptures and what I was being told in churches uh, were two different things. On one hand I would hear that uh, you go through these motions, you say these words, you do this action, and then you're accepted by God, you're saved, and you're done. On the other hand, you look at the scriptures and you see a much deeper interpretation. Now, many people don't know this, but original baptism wasn't uh, sprinkling. It wasn't even just dunking immersion. It was, uh, it was more of a urinating. It was like R. Kelly. Well, no, I was actually going to go in the direction. It was more of half-drowning. Uh, a person was actually held under until right before they passed out because that's when you see your life flash before your eyes. So they waterboarded people. Oh, a little bit crazier than that. It wasn't yeah, so much the illusion of drowning. Yeah, they were it was literally actually drowning. putting their heads under. Yeah. 
And so that would cause a split or a tearing away of the ethereal body from the physical body. This uh, sensation of death actually brought them into a consciousness. Of and they were probably like, please not inside of me, please not inside of me. Um, that's the joke uh, that's been... Uh, it, that was in uh, Ezekiel. Ezekiel twenty-five seventeen. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the terror of evil men. Cause I'm sure it isn't good and I'm glad I have it yet. That's the impression that I get. So my studies have kept boiling down to uh, finding what it is really required in order to do what Jesus said. Jesus said, these things and greater, speaking of his miracles, you shall do. Well, my problem is I will go to church after church after church with no miracles ever being presented. Nobody's ever been healed. Every, pastor's wearing glasses. I don't understand where these miracles are taking place. When is this mountain supposed to go down? When are these trees going to be condemned? When is the storm going to be stopped? When are these miracles supposed to happen? So it, was it at that point, was it like a day, like one day in particular where you just was like, what the fuck? Or was it building up to this point, like the rubber band just going, 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 and then finally just snapped and said, this is bullshit? I think what happened was, uh, since I was a child, I've had various spiritual experiences, starting with after my grandma died, she came to me in a dream. And, uh, and I've had different experiences of going into these other dimensions, even interacting with other beings, that caused me to read more deeply into the scriptures than before. So now when I'm reading it, I'm really understanding what it's saying because I can visualize, because I've seen it, these other places and these other states of consciousness that it's discussing. And so then I start to ask questions from that deeper place. Well, what I found is that the pastors and the preachers and the people in the churches weren't really investigating and reading into the scriptures at that depth. I would find is that you'd often get what a lot of people get oh you'll find out when you die or don't worry about don't worry about asking <laughs> things like that's for God to know don't question things like that I went to a Baptist church I was walking by one day just to go and kind of uh, feel out the pastor of the church and I he spent time with me in his office and I started asking him some questions about the Bible and things like that and after a little bit he started to, he's like well you know you got me He's like, the thing is, I went to seminary, I haven't read the whole Bible, and I just know what they've taught me, what they told me. And that was kind of a, a, a paradigm-shifting conversation, conversation for me because I had heard of you know, people in positions having superficial knowledge, but to actually have the pastor of what appeared to be the most prominent church in my entire town tell me point blank, and he's a young guy leading a whole congregation of old, devout people, people headed up my school, people who are respected people in the community, tell me that he hadn't read the Bible and he didn't know all this information. He was only saying the talking points. Man, this is, he was very clear. He was given the talking points of what the Baptist uh, commission had, you know, passed down, the belief statements. So that, that interests so, me that he would even take a position such as that. Well, he, what he was trying—he had—he had to kind of come clean because my questions were 
blatantly showing his ignorance. So he could either keep pretending to know or he could say, look, this is what I mean. He decided to take an honest road. And I don't judge him for where he's at. But it, it, yeah, but the fact that he is a voice of it all and he doesn't truly have an understanding. Exactly. Well, or, or does he have an understanding? Well, that's the thing. He's got an understanding of, of what they told him his understanding point. should be. But I think the bigger takeaway is that this isn't uncommon. And that the sheep That is are, scary. Yeah, it's, it is scary. If you go to any religion, basically, I could go, and I've been part of many churches, it's very common to have the people in leadership and have a superficial knowledge. Do you think that's why, in some, in some cases, if you ask people of a certain faith, and it's really any kind of faith, it, once they get to like a roadblock where they don't know more of the text, they're just like, well, that's just because that's the way it is, or like that's that's it because because they said so. Yeah. Or it's like, well, do you really know how to intertwine all the real meanings and the real text to to come up with this answer? Because I'm I'm, or you are presenting a valid question that should have a valid answer or reasoning behind. Mm -hmm. and, and you do. I mean, in my experiences with just in the questioning. Because I feel like I'm a questioner. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, me myself, I, I am a firm believer in I don't know. I that's my religion is I don't know. I don't claim to know. I don't pretend to know. All I do know is that I don't know, mm -hmm. and I'm very sure of that. I'm very sure well, that I don't know. There's an ancient and I don't proverb. claim to know. There's an ancient proverb that says, "Teach thy tongue to say I do not know." and thou shalt progress. Yeah, because really I, I, I constantly have the door open for knowledge and expertise, but I will constantly question it as well. Because I'm not just going, oh, because you told me that, I'm going to believe you. No, I'm going to continue to that quest for questioning. Until and, you're satisfied. Until with I'm satisfied. And yeah. I figure probably by the time I die, I may have a good interpretation of what I think may be... <laughs> Well, answer. here's what I would say to that. I think there's a lot of people who are searching for the answers who aren't really willing to commit to any one answer. So they'll get a bunch of answers, but they won't really eventually say, okay, now I've asked a bunch of questions. Let me see what I subscribe to. Instead, they say, well, let me just keep asking this endless series of questions without really getting any place new within myself. And what we have is... Unfortunately, a lot of people who are really good at questioning and undermining uh, other people's logics and faiths without actually producing any logic of their own with, to present. And I think it's important that, look, if you start from nowhere else, then uh, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, that can be a foundation that we can build off of. I, I think it's really difficult, though, in today's society for people to take personal expeditions. Like as far as really learning culture, exploring the land for yourself, building your own. Because if you really look at our society as a whole, I think you know, you're born into whatever your parents tell you that is going on. Then you're supposed to go to school, graduate, learn this conformity, you know, give into this structure and order that's really against our nature. Go off to school, get out of school and start working because you've already built a certain amount of debt that you need to work off. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but that's the majority of what our mentality is that we're supposed to do. So it's really born, brainwashed, conformity, school, debt, work. And then ride that out until the day you die do you, and do the same to your children. So people really don't get a chance to have that personal growth. 
to really step out of their comfort zone. Well, I would stop you there because it's true. We have a very carnal and materialistic view that is imposed on us. But to say that we don't have a chance to go and find the thing I, is, I don't think. Yeah, we do people, have a chance. We do, but people aren't really taught how to learn. They're not taught how to uh, find out the answers. They're taught who's got the answers or what the answers are correct, but not how to critically think about them, how to investigate questions that you're developing. Now, personally. would you think that's a challenge with our school systems or with our parents? Because our parents are the ones we look to for guidance and advice when we're growing up. Or do we have like a, a we a, adapt a classroom environment where we teach people that it's okay to go outside this box that you live in, or it's okay to look for a personal journey within yourself. And I, I mean, we both agree on psychedelics being one of the many different ways that you can get a personal expedition going. I'm also talking about traveling, which you've done extensive traveling in, in your lifetime, but do you think, because I think really psychedelics and traveling and meeting new cultures and expanding your minds and then different texts like you said about religion like that is I, I didn't know that you really went into so many different religions and I, and I joke with you saying that you are impressionable but it's actually admirable at the same time because the fact that you've dedicated yourself to knowing so much text is impressive it's straight up impressive so I say that jokingly with you to kind of have the little banter back and forth so people were like wow what a dick move he just basically <laughs> told this guy he's impressionable but yeah no it, by no means do I actually mean that what I mean is uh, it's fantastic that you've had an open mind so many times that you can journey through different spiritual realms and and different personal expeditions mm -hmm. that you're finding yourself and you're finding your answers and you're gonna do and mold the world the way you like it to be to make it the most comfortable that you can be the happiest that you can be and and live it to the best of your ability while we're all here in this dimension mm -hmm. yeah uh, I don't see being impressionable necessarily as being gullible I think it can be uh, just having an open mind I'm glad that's your only take from it you were stuck on the impressionable because I brought it back again. You did, you, did bring it, you did bring it back, but I, I think the, the point of all of this is uh, if a person can get outside of, and I think a, a lot of people are just naturally driven, numerologically speaking, astrologically, karmically speaking, okay, certain people uh, are here in order to learn certain lessons that maybe can only be learned through hard work and drudgery through the secular life but and then others are more drawn toward the spiritual side i think though every person has to make a connection or if they want to make the most of this life bring the connection back to their soul. We all have that in common. Uh -huh. Whether you're secular, whether you think you're atheist, whether you think you're just a farmer, you don't care about it, you have a soul. And if you don't address that, there's a consequence to that. If you do address it though, it can enrich every other part of your life. Uh, if you decide to pursue that, then all of a sudden you're asking questions that society didn't answer, your parents didn't answer because they didn't know how to. Uh, the society, whether they're brainwashed, whether it's a conspiracy in order to keep us dumbed down, this sort of thing, it doesn't stop a person from 
uh, rejecting the responses and the answers they're getting. But what happens is a lot of times people accept them because it's convenient and they don't want to do their own research. They're afraid that if they get too far down the rabbit hole, they're going to look around, their pastor is going to be five miles behind them, Every, there's going to be nobody to relate to in that way. And that's, and that's the challenge is people think they're going to be out on their own. Because we all put on this facade and these masks that we walk around with and we pretend that, you know, for the most part, and you said it, you hit it right on the head with the soul. Everybody has a soul, everybody has that yearning desire, but a lot of people, I think we reject it because we fear it. We fear what would happen if we actually walked down that road. If we walked the plank towards what we really truly want in life, man, like what are people gonna think of me? What are, what's gonna happen to my life? Am, I'm gonna be rejected by all my families and friends and you know, society's not gonna want me. I'm gonna be, you know, basically you're gonna lose, you know, you feel like you're gonna, but you would be at the most at peace that you would ever be in your entire life, if you actually just walk down that road, if you just give in to what your soul's desires are and walk down, you know, whether right or wrong too, because you're gonna have to go through some wrong shit in order to find the right shit. You know, you're gonna trip, you're gonna hiccup, you're gonna do everything that you need to do and some of it's gonna be, but every time you fail, you're gonna learn from it and you're gonna continue to get better. Uh, and you touched base on the numerology and the astrophysics or whatever, not Neil Tyson DeGrasse stuff, but uh, the astronomy of it all. Uh, you gave me a reading, a report that you did based upon my random set of letters in my name and yeah, numerology and report. My yeah, numerology report using Hans D. Kyle's uh, master numerologist, which I found eerily, eerily. So, is that, am I saying that right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It uh, has that effect. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it does have that effect. Personal to really me, and then I was like, well, maybe they just generalize a lot of this stuff to 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 you know make me you know get in touch with. Some of it I can see, yes, but some of it was like really, really personal and really kind of hit my entire, like my existence up to this date. And, and it kind of made me question a couple of things. Then I had you do some for my, my daughter and my son uh, and my wife. And I looked at all of them and they were all very, and you don't know their personalities like I do. Obviously you've met my wife a handful of times. Uh, and my daughter, like once, um, my son obviously is too small to really know what's going on in the world, but my daughter's personality, that, that stuff was right on. Uh, and I could see everything that was written in those reports, and these reports were quite extensive, 130 pages, 140 pages of clip um, on, your, on your standard 8 by 11. I know this because I went through a few reams of paper to print all these Good out. For you, yeah. I bound them as well. Uh, I do carry mine around in my briefcase with me, which I don't have with me today. But uh, I, my briefcase, like I'm an old like <laughs> an old '80s businessman, I'm a, with with my satchel, I guess I should say, because uh, I'm hip, I'm yeah. hip. But um, I, I did, and real quickly, I go into your metaphysics and your background and, and your well, so and, and your plug. You can plug your merch. Okay. So uh, we'll go back to what you, we were just talking about a second ago as far as uh, investigating the soul. Yeah. If a person chooses to do that, uh, and what I've done, and I can, and so I, I know that the path can be scary for people because you're going to be asking questions that your heart longs to know, 
inwardly we all want to be able to fly. Inwardly we all want superpowers. Inwardly we want all of the crazy things we see from our superheroes, but most of us are afraid to ask that out of life, out of God, for fear of being disappointed when we find out that that isn't really attainable. So we'd rather take the possibility and shelve it and just daydream about what's possible than actually pursue it and find out I was right. Bingo. Out of fear of being wrong. And so, but there's so many people who operate out of fear. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Absolutely. But that is like the greatest quote because yeah. it's so fucking true. Yeah. That is the only thing. And that's why terrorism fucking kills everybody out there because they're just scared of shit. It's just an idea yeah. that we're running yeah. from. Yeah, you're scared of fear. That's the idea of terrorism. They're mm -hmm. scaring you into thinking some shit's gonna go down and you're like covered up in a ball. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. stop. Yeah. So in the process of pursuing these questions that can't be answered by the church elder, by the pastor, you end up having to go a different way. All of a sudden you're searching into other religions, you're searching into other teachers, people who are teaching uh, different in interpretations on a different level of the same material. And a lot of times we're told by the people in our church, don't go down that route. That'll lead you toward the occult, that'll lead you toward new age, that'll lead you toward uh, Satan worship. But they're giving you reasons not to do it. They're telling you why not to do it, and they don't. They can't answer your question. I can't answer your question, but don't go looking for it over there, or you'll go to hell. But just be content with not knowing, and that's where people sit. And they're like, oh, okay, so I'll just sit in my hazy little bubble, and I'll... And nowadays, people are questioning a lot more, generally, but you get... I, the internet. Yeah. I think the internet has been a, a great source of questioning. Uh, it's allowed people to have a, a, a basically encyclopedia, libraries, anything at the tip of your fingers. You know, you can look up anything your heart desires. Mm -hmm. Like right now, if we wanted to, we would find out that town name that's south of the one that you found. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> if we wanted to, yeah, it's right there. In a there. moment. Yeah. yeah. And I could have looked up that lady's name from uh, the church with David Koresh. Uh -huh. if I, and if anybody's listening, they can look it up too. Yeah. And then you would know. Or you could even look up if any of this is bullshit. Absolutely. Yeah, because then we would be like, yeah, I, I think, think you should too. Use. Question it. Yeah. Yeah. Question the questioning. Question. Yeah. So, you know, back in the day, uh, in the 50s, for instance, we'll get an older person now and they will be, uh, un they will give us very conventional answers uh, as far as the interpretation of scripture and you'll ask them about deeper things they'll say well you know back in my day we didn't ask questions like that or we were content with what the pastor taught us and the thing is the pastor is not going to save you he's not going to save your soul yeah only you can save your soul well you know you get honestly and i and i hate even saying this because i do respect our elders but at this point in time I almost feel like if i come across somebody that's just refusing to keep an open mind I just want to be like idiots, like just stop what you're saying. And, and I and I don't want to sound like an elitist, or I don't want to sound arrogant. But if you really don't know something, or somebody's coming up with a, a different perspective or a different statement based on something, don't just say you're wrong because this is what I know. Look it up. And I feel like older generations. Um, they're stuck in their ways. I guess that's the old-fashioned part of them. And you know, and people are like, well, you're gonna be like that someday too. I don't think so, not with the internet. Not with the vast amount of knowledge that at our fingertips that we can look up. Because the internet is basically the devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. It questions everything. 
you can find your flat earthers, and you can find your your spearers, your globulars, globulars. the globulars. You can find any side of the spectrum. You can find your Satanists, and you can find your Christians. You can find your uh, in betweens. Yeah, you yeah. can find everything in between, and on, uh, polar opposites on virtually anything and everything. So I feel like uh, go ahead. I think uh, tangent in it. Yeah, well, there's a lot of interesting tangents to run off of here. So the question becomes, are you willing to become the leader of your own life? Are you brave enough to uh, find out the answers to the questions you long and desire to know? Uh, because the coward way out, the coward's way out is to go into denial and say, I'm not interested in the subject. I don't need to know this. It's not relevant. It doesn't matter. It's not for me to know. It's none of my business. Or they would have told us. It can't be known. These sorts of things are excuses for not self-educating. Uh, that's why there are so few on that uh, narrow pathway uh, seeking for the kingdom of heaven. My path into seeking for the kingdom of heaven as an actual dimension, not just as a fun place that I would love to go when I die because that's nice, but as a literal place that can be accessed in consciousness in this lifetime, in this incarnation. Now, of course, I've this, I, I would yeah. like to just say, what does it look like? You know, you're saying that Good it's question. not just mystical land. Like, I think of amusement park, like, you know, a, a conveyor of cotton candy and, like, people dressed up like clowns I'm glad and you stuff. Asked that question. Midgets on unicycles. Like, that's my vision of what I think. It, it, that's the kind like, of I legitimate question. Place. Wanna, no, yeah. and, and, and it's all, also because, and, and it's, I, I just want to touch base on, I, again, I don't know. But I almost do feel like that after this is nothing, mm -hmm. you know, and and that might be a sad reality, you know, that you know this is for naught. Well, for some, uh, the spiritual emptiness within them will beget a form of nothingness on the other side. Let me discuss what does the other side. However, look? however, I'm optimistic that there isn't, and I'm and that one little thought in my soul will be proven wrong. I hope for that, but, but at the same time, I also accept that that could be one of the possibilities. Problem and is, I do also know, believe that there could be additional possibilities as well. Shut up, Happy. Don't feel bad about me. I got my hand back, see? Midgets on unicycles. Oh, yes. Uh, the monkey what, with, the, what with does, the symbols laughing. I, I'm glad that you actually, it's hard to get people to get to this actual place where they're asking solid, legitimate questions about the, the physical nature of these other dimensions because it's so hard to get people to believe that you can be on that level to actually ask that question. And that's where we need to be because the real investigation begins as a spiritual scientist. Like when as you, the afterlife. When you enter and access these other dimensions, uh, it, as a, phys as a physical witness. So it is important that a person who's striving towards this, like if you've had spiritual experiences, you've got something to build off of, it makes the spiritual science uh, field of study easier to enter upon. But See, and, and going in inter interdimensional uh, and, and entering and expanding your mind and, and exploring psychedelics really helps a lot of that uh, breaking down barriers. Mm -hmm. But. I, I ask you this because we're talking about kingdoms and kingdoms of heaven or animal kingdom. Now, we're made up of the same components of the earth. We're made up of the same components as other animals. 
Uh, we're all living species. The Earth is a living species to some degree. I mean, it, it has the elements of a living creature. Uh, animals have the, obviously, they're alive. Plants have, they're alive. We are alive. Now we share with some and uh, some of them more than others. We share a lot of the same components. Mm -hmm. Now, we are the dominant species. I think we, we've come to terms with that. As you can see, there's a there's way too many of us floating around this place. Some of us uh, a little louder than others and, and a little more annoying, but some of us very genuine people that are seeking truth and, and, and personal expeditions in our kingdoms. Do animals, because we're made up of the same components. We all have brains, we have veins, we have, we have flesh, souls, heart. Do they have, do they not have, I mean, they have souls. You see in nature them reacting towards one another in humane ways. Uh, you saw that gorilla just the other day. Did you see this? Yeah. Where they killed him too? Yeah. And, and and the gorilla was clearly protecting. Right. Uh, Even uh, the dragging wasn't uh, didn't seem all that dangerous. It wasn't toward negative yeah. towards the child's health. I mean, dogs pick up their youth by their neck. You yeah. know, they're not hurting it. Yeah, they. We can. We're more protecting. resilient. Yeah, humans do. Now. Do we do we have the same fate? I, and I ask you this. I think you I think you touched into a really important uh, area, and that is what is the infrastructure of the worlds and the beings or the bodies that inhabit them, and, and the, the spirit entities. So let's start out with we're a human body, but what grows the human body into its form? In spiritual science, it's what's known as the ethereal body. The ethereal body is directly over the physical body, and it's what causes your lungs to breathe uh, unconsciously, your heart to beat, uh, and it's what grows your face in the way it grows, your body in the way it grows. And that ethereal body, that ethereal soul, uh, like a seed, was implanted into the fetus uh, as it was growing in order to guide its further growth when it entered into your mother's womb. So, you know, mother had a baby, it had this thing, it was splitting up, the ethereal soul enters into that, and now it starts to guide it. So it's gonna look like John Smith. He's gonna have brown hair, blue eyes, or he's gonna be tall, he's gonna be short, he's gonna have this. All that data is in the ethereal body. So are you saying too, then, completely separate entities is one soul, one fleshed body? So basically our bodies are just like a little capsule that we inhabit while we're here. They mean absolutely nothing. The, well, these bodies, the soul. these bodies actually contain all seven uh, subtle bodies in its densest form. If you go up from the physical form, you've got the ethereal. Above that, you have the emotional body, uh, which is ruled by the heart. Above that, you have the mental body. Uh, above that, we have a causal body, uh, which is a body of uh, inspiration or intuition. Uh, and then above that, we're looking at cosmic we're looking at cosmic bodies so each of these body forms exists on a different dimension uh, in order to access these dimensions we have to inhabit a body capable of receiving sense perceptible uh, data from that dimension so if I want to knock on this glass but I'm in my emotional body my hands gonna go through this I have to be in the physical form but if we're in the emotional uh, spiritual dimension, then I would have to be in that body in order to have a similar physical effect. And now, it's the same. Are, are you now? Is this any correlation to like three-dimensional, four-dimensional? Yes, it is. Is these are three-dimensional realms? Yeah. 
They uh, literally exist. There are beings Because which, we know. We're, we're in... We're in one here. Yeah. And it's very similar. And they're all... Uh, they all relate to this in some realm, okay? okay? They're not so far flung out where we're talking about necessarily circles hanging around with no brain and they go and do this. There is intention, intentionality, there's will. So the fourth dimension is that spiritual. It, yeah, you're going spiritual. As soon it's as you pop out of this... Pure spiritual fourth dimension. Right, but they do and, have some And that coexists here. Mm -hmm. It runs concurrently with, with it. But so, it's just in a different dimension that we we cannot exactly and in, in, unless you have a, a a reason to enter it, we're here. In this. So yeah. there's or being, there's beings. That's a better word for that. There's beings walking around in this room right now. Some of which formerly inhabited physical form. Some of which have never inhabited a physical form. Now, are they aware of this dimension, or uh, like they become aware of it through us? And what I mean by that is. The scriptures tell us that our bodies are a temple. Temples, uh, like churches, yeah. contain parishioners. In the spiritual dimensions, these parishioners are dead loved ones, uh, people who have crossed over. So, it, for starters, this is one thing. That means that there are dead people, dead spirits or souls that are living and growing and expanding their understanding of existence and consciousness through your experience. They're living vicariously through you. They inhabit your body uh, within the prison of your skull, if you want to say, uh, and they actually influence, not just influence, but they give you the thoughts that you think. So you think that you originate thoughts, but you're actually experiencing thoughts that are being thunk inside of you. Uh, these thoughts are coming from the intuition, the will of these beings, which pass through your soul, which characterizes them, which colors them, and then portrays in words those intentions, those wills, those curiosities. So you get a thought, it's like, why is that switch over there like that? Well, there's forms that are curious about the nature of what that switch represents, what it's connected to, uh, its spiritual connection, and well, it's what are, what are your takes on dreams then? Uh, what what do they? That's a key question. Yeah, what do they mean? What do they interpret? Um, what is the role that dreams play? Yeah. So, according to Steiner, Emanuel Swedenborg, uh, according to any esoteric uh, spiritual teaching. Your dream life is an actual dimension. It's an actual world. And if a person can become conscious in their dreams, i.e. lucid dreaming, then they can take control of the dreams. They can take a terrible monster. Let me give you an example. Uh, two nights ago, I had a dream. Uh, I was at my dad's house in the dream. Uh, there was another individual there. And because of some poster I seen for the movie Predator vs. Alien, uh, <laughs> the uh, alien made an appearance. Now normally what would happen is I would go screaming in terror, hiding while it's chasing me, and it would just build and build in suspense until at some point I feel like I'm gonna die and then I wake up. Well, luckily I was able to become conscious in the dream, and I was experiencing a lucid dream, and I took Don't that- Don't you love when that happens? I love it, oh, yeah, I love it's it. the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, I, I, nothing competes. So there's techniques in order to bring this about. I, and if, I, I've learned some from actually a Buddhist uh, at one point when I was living in New York. He, oh. uh, yeah, he, he gave me some, and I was actually started to experience it as well, uh, more often than not. Mm -hmm. It was almost like every other night, at least, uh, sometimes continuously, continuous nights, where I was entering into lucidness and just really having a ball with it. I had really great time, and 
Uh, the weird thing about it is some of it I was able to bring to life in, in this reality, mm -hmm. which is the, another strange aspect of dreams and when, once you start being able to get lucid with them. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I, we will go back, I, I know I completely interrupted your story. I did recently have a lucid dream and I wasn't doing anything crazy or, but when I realized that I was controlling I got so happy in, you know, obviously sleeping still, but I knew I was like, oh my God, yes. Cause I haven't had one in years. And it was almost like I, I, it's got me so interested in dreams again lately because you know, with the craziness of life, I really haven't had the opportunity to, to sit down and, and dissect my dreams. Like I used to at one point in my life and having that lucid dream again, just kind of renewed my, my desire to get back into a, a relationship with my dreams and with my, my unconscious conscious. And, uh, uh, and, and I apologize for interjecting that, but I felt like that was a necessary segue into Very your next. Very appropriate. Very yeah. appropriate. I think you're really going to like what I'm about to say as a result, uh, based on what you're saying. Uh, going back to the lucid dream real quick that I just had, this alien appeared. And so we what what kind of alien like it was the, it was, was the one directly from the movie okay so my big, brain big head, big eyes my imagination yeah, had long mocked fingers yeah. yeah well it was the one from alien versus predator the f oh, okay the alien yeah. from the old show the movies you know i heard that the, that imagery uh there's some scientists that correlate that vision and alien abductions to uh birth and it's like a hidden image that we keep in, in our eyes as birth because it's part of like the first image that we've ever seen when our eyes are just opening for the first time we see these creatures in front of the front of us mm. and they think that that's some kind of hidden image potentially and why a lot of uh, alien abduction stories take place on being in a hospital bed or like you know lights big lights around you and things like that but uh yeah, this is, I believe there's symbolic correspondence to the rep representation of these archetypes mm -hmm. in our experience. Yeah, a lot of imagery. Yeah. Uh, it's similar in these cases. Yeah. Uh, in this experience, uh, you know, knowing in the lucid dreaming stage, it's important if you, you know, to take what you're afraid of and instead of running from it, you can now transform it because you're conscious of the fact that you have created what you're experiencing. So I took that alien, which I would normally run away from, and I reached out my arms and I wrapped my arms around it with a hug in love. And free hugs. Free hugs. And in hugging something I would normally run away from, I regained control over a fear. It couldn't hurt me anything any more than it could before, whether I realized it was there or not, as a hallucination or not. The thing is, it's all a figment of our imagination, but what do you make of it? Do you run from a fear item? Now I turned it into a flower. I hugged it and I visualized it turning into a flower and would you know what, I was next thing I know I'm hugging this giant flower. And then it turned into something else. My brain turned that into another thing where it's taking on a new action and a cutting activity and I had to consciously take control and convert that by changing what it was, by repostulating what it was to me and it turned it into something else. This happened five times. Holding. Wow. Every time you would change something though, the brain wants to go and make something different with it. The thing is, most people get weary after a while and they give up and they let it go. They go unconscious and before they know it, they let their imagination run amok and now it's chasing them again or now that it's doing something they can't control and they are subject to it. They're at effect of what's happening. 
after a, a bit of practice of experiencing this lucid state and uh, and deciding what you're going to be experiencing, you eventually uh, develop the strength to uh, maintain the continuity of your consciousness uh, from the beginning uh, to the end. Now you can go into a lucid state and you can control the whole dream so you never actually lose consciousness. You wake up, I'm conscious, I go to sleep, but I'm still conscious, I'm experiencing a whole other world, I wake up, I remember what happened in the dream state, in the real life. Now here's the, here's the fruit that I told you about. The promise of the goodness. Okay. And that's this, that a student uh, of esoteric spiritual studies, once they've mastered the spiritual state of lucid dreaming, they can heal themselves because they can use the dream realm, uh, which is a real realm, to see into the spiritual dimensions, to see into their spiritual body, to heal their body. They can uh, bring themselves into a state where they can enter into the kingdom of heaven. So now it's just as easily, just as easy to visualize themselves into uh, these, uh, the kingdom of heaven, as it is to imagine that now this alien is a flower. Okay, uh, with with some stipulations though, because there is some growth to maintain that. Uh, and so once a person has realized that this is their access to this other dimension, mm -hmm. the key is to be able to see that dimension, that dream realm, while they're awake. So now you're going to see the dream realm concurrent with the waking state, and to experience that in the waking state produces the DMT flow, dimethyltryptamine, yeah. uh, which is what comes out during dreams, but while you're awake. So now you're experiencing the spiritual reality, which usually you're fully into when you're sleeping, but unconscious because you can't handle it, but while you're awake. And so I now love it because our brains really are the most powerful drug that the world can ever, we can't concoct. Yeah. Like if they had like this drug that they just called brain uh, and you took it and you just unlocked your brain, you'd probably lose your shit if it's you did it. It's not a machine right now. Uh, yeah. It's got it's a tiger blood and fucking and brain. No. Yeah, I can't handle it. But yeah, I feel like you know once you get into that realm and that state, uh, it, the possibilities are endless. Absolutely. Uh, telepathic communication, healing your bodies, uh, mind over matter. I'm always a firm believer, mind over matter. And then just imagine being able to use your brain to its fullest capacities. You know, being able to you know secrete whatever transmitter you know or whatever chemical that we want throughout our brain at any given time in order to replenish our bodies and 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 whatever ails us or uh, you know oppresses us at that given time. You know, oh man, I just fixed it. You know, I was going through this shit mentally, or I was going through this shit physically, and you just mind over matter you enter into that realm that that is phenomenal i i think that's a possibility for you know uh an end result for our species mm -hmm. i definitely think that's a a possibility uh, it's part of the ascension process i i, I did want to get into just real quickly my process to gain that lucid activity um you know i I know you said practicing and practicing and i want to ask you how you practice what i did and this is uh, what I was taught to do, was to keep a dream journal. And every time I woke, even in the middle of the night, consciously wake up and write down everything you remember right at that given time. And keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it. And soon, I wanna say it only took a couple of weeks really, it was about three, four weeks, five weeks. I was really into it where I would just remember everything. 
And then what started developing was after like that four, five, six weeks after I was remembering all my dreams was I started getting active in my dreams where it was awakening me and I was getting lucid with it and I was being able to control myself into these dreams. Now I've never seen the movie Inception uh, and I say that to people and they're like, what? I think I have to see it because I'm very interested in this stuff. I like, I like the Science of Sleep, the Gail Garcia Brunel film. I don't know if, if you've ever dabbled in that, but they came out right around the same time and I opted to see The Science of Sleep over uh, Inception. But I've heard Inception it, it touches base in a lot of that lucidness and, and, and in different right. realms of reality and dreams and dimensions. And, yeah. and, and I think it's something that everybody should want to explore more. Mm -hmm. uh, again, this is something we all fear. We don't want to talk about it because it sounds weird. Right. You know, why does it sound weird that we're getting to know our bodies, that we're, that we're getting to know our brains? We're talking and, and about that which our society considers taboo. Yeah. And, and it's only taboo because we're all like, got scared this, to fucking talk about it. Collective We all deal with it. We're, we're all part of it, but we're like, nope, nope, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Say, well, you don't care, just kill yourself then. Because what are you contributing back to society? You know, other than the bullshit that you write on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I want to preface what I was saying also with this lucid dreaming techniques and raising our consciousness through the dreaming method uh, should be coupled with a study of uh, spiritual science and uh, because what we're doing when we're studying spiritual science and while we're practicing these practices is we're actually purifying, cleansing the multi-petal lotus flower chakras wow. of our body. Wow. Yeah. So You just went there? Yeah. You took it there? The chakras actually, each one of the petals represents a different aspect and, of thought. And this is not to be confused with Shaka Khan. Not to be confused with Shaka Khan. But the Khan. chakras. But the chakras themselves. Yes. Um, because if a person is going to purify themselves, we, like you were mentioning, we could bring ourselves to a place where we could tell ourselves to create or secrete any particular chemical. Well, in the end game, when we're really existing, it's going to be no different than I don't have to tell my body to secrete DMT as it is when I go to sleep. We just know. We just do it. I don't have to tell my body to breathe. It yeah. does it automatically. It's going to be an involuntary right. and the action. And the powers that, that are available to us in the spiritually enlightened state are also just as automatic. Now, how are they summoned? They're summoned through the purity of the thought life because that thought life and the purification of that thought life is how you purify the chakras. When the chakras are pure, now currently uh, we have a skeletal for the undeveloped person. There's a skeletal sort of rudimentary uh, form of chakras that exist down their spine. The chakras don't move. Uh, they're, they're static, they're still, and they're one color. What happens as we start to purify, these chakra petals actually develop color. They become uh, resplendent with color and, and, uh, and splendor and light, and they start to spin. And when they start to spin, that's when you're getting telekinetic, telepathic, psycho-spiritual powers, those spinning actions. They can only start to spin, though, once they're purified. Whenever we entertain negative thoughts, whenever we ne uh, entertain uh, critical thoughts, we're actually damaging those petals. And when we entertain gracious thoughts, loving thoughts, compassionate thoughts, that's when we're bringing life to those petals. Once the petals and the chakra itself is uh, purified, it becomes charged up, 
and it starts to spin and all of a sudden powers become available. It tells your body to produce the ectoplasm that you want to shoot out of your hand. So in the end game, the superpowers... Pedal to the metal. Pedal to the metal. The, they are, it's going to produce its own energy and power based on your spiritual purity. So a person can't really fake their way. Now, some people will use witchcraft in order to get a certain chakra. Big bad voodoo daddies. Sure. Yeah. They'll get they'll create certain effects, but they can't control it. They don't have a mastery well, over it. This is the, Did you just take a shot at New Orleans? Cuz I know you mentioned it earlier and you were saying what are, you know what about there's a lot, yeah, witchcraft in general. I mean, it's a it's a sorry substitution for actual spiritual development. You can get everything that witchcraft can get you, but, but with actual the love of God and sustainably. And, and witchcraft could be used for good. I mean, it, it doesn't all have to be negative connotations. But it's uh, an, it's inherently flawed. It's inherently sick. It cannot. It's not well, sustainable. What's different? What's different from actually you know getting your cauldron? And you know, throwing in min different minerals and holistic uh, healing methods. You know, people call holistic healing witchcraft, though. I mean, that's I, I should say the general pop. Mm -hmm. You know, Gen Pop says if you deal with herbs and natural, like they all all of a sudden because they're brainwashed already by pharmaceuticals and like oh, you know, I'm going into the healing methods. They think that that is witchcraft. When it's really natural herbs and, and... That's a great question. Jesus actually healed people using outside elements in. So here's yeah, the idea. He didn't, he didn't like well, get a prescription. Right. Let's from, break it down into two categories. There is healing yourself from the inside out. And then there's this idea that you can heal yourself from the outside in. Now, if you want to truly heal yourself, the, in the end, it's always going to come from the inside out. Now, what does outside remedies do in order to help us? Well, they can, let's say a person has a cancer. Uh, a person can try to pray the cancer away, which it really comes through uh, sometimes non-forgiveness or a neglect of certain aspects. And, and that, that causes, could be a mind over matter as well. Right. And, a and for a lot of people, by the time they're in that state, there's just too much mental uh, baggage and too much mental stuff to take care of and they've got so much velocity against them that that's not really going to be a simple option. Like the scriptures say, you know, it's much better to learn this before you get sick. Because after you get sick, growing faith is going to be difficult because you're already surrounded by the velocity of the negativity. So when, let's say, a doctor comes and removes, cuts out the, the, the cancer. Well, Post-op. Post-op. What happens when a doctor comes and brings you the solution? Your brain is now prompted with healing thoughts. What happens to somebody who gets removed? They think, oh, I just, I got a new lease in life. I'm gonna forgive everybody. I'm gonna start loving everybody. I'm gonna let go of bygones. I appreciate what's real in life. And what happens? They stay healed. Now, what happens to others? Some say they get out and they go right back to their old ways. They're mad at this person. They were wronged by this person. What happens to those people? It comes back. See, so removing it might prompt you uh, to hold the new thought pattern, but if you don't accept it, if you don't run with that, then you can cause it to come back. Speaking of removing it for a second, not and not coming back, and I'm going to take us on a tangent, and we're going to wrap this up real soon. But I want to I want to touch base on a lighter note to some degree, and it, this came up recently in a conversation I was having with someone. Uh, are you familiar with uh, gender swapping operations? Uh, male to female, female to male. Yeah, 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 yeah
and take it inward or do they just cut off and then build well like, what is the process and only because this I is have a heck of a segue by the way yeah I have this visual that if a male is turning female they just like hack off their dicks and throw them in a freezer like somewhere it's some like doctors they're full uh, they're full filleted and then they're put it inverted so the inside of the penis according to that pastor in Harlem maybe they're in Starbucks coffees if you don't know about there, there's this pastor in Harlem that was convinced that Starbucks is so popular because they spike their coffees with semen. I think I heard that before, actually, a long time ago. Yeah, absolutely absurd. But anyway. Well, the point is, in so when a person, let's say a, a man, wants to become a woman, he has his penis filleted outward. Then all of a sudden, the inner lining of this uh, they, fabricated they vagina. In, right? They tuck it in? Like, they, yeah, they tuck it in. They like invert it. They, they invert it. Okay. So right. there's not like a, a doctor that has like a, like a box of dicks somewhere. Right, right, exactly. Okay. It's all right. used. So anyway, when. No a, box of dicks. Yeah, no. So that way, when let's say somebody because was to take Because then I was a, thinking well, the female to the male, they just have a box of dicks lying around. They just fucking throw one on, and everybody wins. This is what gives this transgender person now the sensation, the vaginal sensation, is that now when something enters into that canal, it's actually, by de facto, essentially going inside the penis, and it's rubbing inside the penis. But it's been exploded outwards. It's now a wall. So now the sensation that one might get through ejaculation, for instance is now open to uh, stimulation because it's been opened up wide. Obviously, it's been filleted open. And so now anything touching that, you know, the inner flesh wall, Fish that's where, all, that's where all the, you know, the nerves are. Gotcha. So it's a very sensitive it's a vagina made out of an inverted penis. Um, you know. Well, let's do this. Uh, let's wrap it up, and I think next time I really we don't. Need... I really wish you wouldn't have had to have gone there at the three last. No, that's yeah. what I. I think that's a perfect ending. If we're gonna end it on something, probably appropriate something like, for this kind of show. Uh, what's your website? What's your What's your info? So, New Precept Media is the website. Spell that's it out. New Precept. That's N E W P R E C E P T. Precept as in law, uh, which is basically talking about what Jesus said. Uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, and you'll fulfill the law and the prophets in doing this. And that was really his new commandment that he gave. And what this really, what the new precept is all about, we talk about the law of attraction, we go into the kingdom of heaven and other dimensions, but it's a high level of responsibility, intellectual responsibility for our souls, and, uh, and that's what we're striving. New precept media. Yep. We can check them out. Robert the Wallace, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Yeah. Wally, as uh, your friends call you, or just me. Like, Wally, R Dubs. R Dubs, yeah, that was your your one six in poly name. I think one person called me R Dubs. Yeah, it's catchy. So yeah, yeah, and uh, catch him, catch him before he hits his seventh continent this uh, this January. Yeah. Hopefully your plane doesn't get derailed again. Yeah. Um, It'll be in India good luck in South Africa. And, uh, yeah. 
Thanks for having me. This has been a very stimulating yeah. conversation. I, I look forward to the next time we have an opportunity. All right. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Thank you, sir.